Here comes the sun, do 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 do. Hello, and welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley and Grace Prasniewski. Well, folks, the sun is finally out again in Michiana. I think we may be able to safely put away our snow boots. I'm cautious that is the case, James. Hopefully, our Aprils are giving way to lots of Mayflowers. That's right, G. We're happy the sun is shining, and we're even happier to have our next guest join us. You may know her as Senior Director of Athletics Advancement, but come July 1st, she'll be taking on a new role as Associate Vice President of Development, Executive Director of Individual and Family Giving. Please join us in welcoming to the show, Sarah Liebscher. Sarah, how are you doing today? Hey, James. I'm doing great. Thank you. That was quite the title. I sound so important. <laughs> You are very important. Yeah, hardly. It's <laughs> a mouthful. Um, so, Sarah, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and your childhood. Sure. Uh, grew up in Davenport, Iowa, part of the Quad Cities, so right on the Mississippi River. We used to joke it was twice as good as the Twin Cities. Um, <laughs> it's actually, you know, a little trivia for you, it's only one of two places where the river, Mississippi River runs east and west. Oh, so, a little something for you, maybe for the future podcast for you there. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, but I grew up in a big family. I was I always joked that was kind of like the first team I was ever on. <laughs> so I was the youngest of eight kids, um, and there was an eight-year difference between me and my next oldest sibling. Mm. So wow. to give you some perspective, my second oldest sibling, actually my oldest sibling, it would have been his birthday today. My oldest sibling passed away when I was about I was six years old. Oh, he had okay. cerebral palsy. Oh. So and I, I never lived with him. He always was in a, at that point in a home. So um, I only knew him from going to visit. We would go down, you know, my dad would take a, some of us each, you know, weekend or once a month down. So, you know, I probably saw him a couple of times a year and he'd come for Christmas. We'd, we'd get him back to the house. But anyways, he passed away when I was young. So my second oldest sibling took off for Notre Dame when I was two. Oh, so that gives wow. you some perspective, right? Um, yeah, some space in there. There was some space in there. So it was kind of like seven kids and then Sarah. But my dad always <laughs> joked that I was actually the only one that was ever planned. Uh, <laughs> so, but we were a neighborhood. You know, I grew up in this, you know, we were very middle America. My father uh, was a salesman to start. He ended up as a trust officer for many years at the local bank. And... Um, wasn't until I think he turned 50 that he got offered the chief investment officer job at Deere and Company. So that mm. was what really kind of launched him. Um, but we were very, very average middle America kind of family, but a big Catholic family. And we were a neighborhood of big Catholic families. Sure. So we had kids all over, which was super fun. Eight, 10, you know, houses with, I mean, I think the, the, the smallest was maybe six or seven in the neighborhood kids. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Sarah, sports have obviously played an important part in your life. Can you tell us about how that passion first started? Yeah, you know, um, I often wonder myself because it did not come from my mother or my father. So mm. my mom, she, God love her, doesn't like to sweat, never has. <laughs> uh, you know, 72 and sunny inside, as she says. So that's kind of her world. And my dad... He sat the bench on his high school basketball team and was um, 
remember my uncle took him out to golf. My uncle's a good golfer. And after the first round, he was like, Carl, I think you're going to have to, we're going to, we're going to take up a new hobby. Right. So he, he had like one round of golf in his life. So I don't know where we got the natural ability, but my siblings and I were all pretty darn good athletes. So it was kind of just this innate passion that I would say was fostered primarily through my older brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And because they were all athletic in their own way, they brought me along and, I do remember my dad always saying I always wanted to play in the big, big kids game as a, as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be treated differently. I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and he, you know, even though my dad took, he took up skiing at age 40. So at like age four, we, he took us and we, I, I was four at the time and I was downhill skiing at that time. And so they definitely mm-hmm. exposed us to a lot. Um, and like I said earlier with the neighborhood, we had all these kids in the neighborhood. So, you know, we were always organizing games. I can tell you I was the girl that I did get picked first, which was always a real consternation to some of my, the boys in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, and I played on the boys' little league team as a as a kid. And, you know, so that, that was always interesting. But, um, yeah, I would say any and all sport that had a ball yes. was kind of where I found myself as a child. By that the hour, I, and I could I could do this stuff by the hours. I didn't need it. I didn't need people around. I could hit a mm-hmm. tennis ball against a wall. You know, I was and, one of those kids. Until the street lights came on, then you had to go home. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> the dog got a whistle, and I usually got a whistle. So yeah. <laughs> um, so what made you decide to attend Notre Dame for college? You know, Grace, it was it was always the dream school, right? Again, as I said earlier. Uh, at two, when my older brother went off, he was the first of five of us to go. Now, my mom and dad were Notre Dame St. Mary's back in the 40s. So it started with them. And then you have the next generation of these older brothers and sisters. I, I like to joke that I probably had been to more JPWs and more graduations by age 10 than most people mm-hmm. ever would in a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up staying with my sister in the dorm, in Farley Hall. So for me, the Notre Dame, like all my, all my siblings' roommates from Notre Dame were just, they were what I aspired to be. They were the cool kids. I mean, I just thought they were the bomb. And I, they would come to our house for Easter or on breaks. And as a little kid, I always thought they were in some ways coming to see me, right? And we were, I'd play with them, <laughs> make them play with me, make them do the Easter egg hunts, all this stuff. Um, but that's what I always thought Notre Dame was so special because of the people. So I was, I was bound to determine that Notre Dame is where I wanted to go. And then basketball became a reality and I started to have other opportunities, um, was being recruited. Hmm. So, you know, I ended up coming down to the fact that I was accepted early at Notre Dame. And I don't remember the timing because I was accepted early and I didn't have to say whether I was coming here. So I continued to look at, places that were going to offer me a scholarship. At this point, Notre Dame was not going to offer a basketball scholarship. So I was getting down to the point where I had to decide, did I want to go to Notre Dame and not play basketball? Mm. Or do I go somewhere else and take a full ride? And by the grace of God, look at that. By the grace of God, look at that. I worked out almost <laughs> the grace of giving podcast in there. By the grace of God, truly, though, um, I was offered a scholarship in the spring of my senior year, kind of late winter of my senior year by Notre Dame. Gee. And uh, it was, I still remember the woman that turned him down. She went to Stanford. She was a point guard. And I basically got her scholarship. And 
once that happened, yeah, there was that was a done deal. Didn't have to look any further. I knew I wanted to go to Notre Dame all along, so that made the decision wow, super what a easy. Story. What was the name of your uh, high school, by the way? Assumption High School, Assumption. Davenport Assumption. It was the Catholic school there in Davenport. Yep. Okay. I wonder if uh-huh. you played, uh, if you would have played any Quincy, Illinois schools. You know, James. So. I played six on six basketball until I was a sophomore in high school. Oh. We switched. So as a, as a grade schooler, we used to go to Quincy. We mm-hmm. used to go over to the, you know, the Illinois was five minutes away, right? We were mm-hmm. right on the river. Sure. So we would go play five on five. That was always a big excitement to get out of Iowa and go play five on five basketball. So I absolutely know Quincy. Okay. Quincy yeah. well. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I just asked because that was my former territory when I was a, a fundraiser. So. Oh, I sure. Yeah. Visited there a few times and enjoyed my I time. I think there, we so. got a dog from Quincy in the back in the day. One of our dogs came from Quincy, Illinois. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us. You hinted about basketball. Just tell us about your experience on the Fighting <laughs> Irish Women's Basketball Team. It must have been mm. a, a fable, you know. <laughs> it gets better with time i'd say that right the stories get better that's right i get better lore the lore <laughs> grows um now honestly when you when you do get to the point and james you and i are there more than the grace right where you can kind of step back and have a little more perspective on your life and mm-hmm. how things play out i mean there is no there has been no greater opportunity that I think I've been afforded. And when I think about the opportunity, I, I, I got six years. I played for Muffet and I coached for her for two. So I was given a scholarship wow. to earn my MBA as her graduate assistant. Oh, so great. six years of a Notre Dame education associated with women's basketball. Um, came in with Muffet as a freshman, per se. We both were first years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to learn from her under four, for four years... We had great teams. We were always 20 wins plus, won the conference every year. But those were back in the days when women's basketball only had 48 teams that went to their tournament. They didn't have a 64-team tournament. So the NCAA tournament was 48 teams. They had 32 automatic bids, and they had, like, 26 conferences. So there were, like, six, you know, at-large bids, and those all went to the SEC or the Pac-10 or the big, you know, the big, the big conferences. Mm-hmm. And we were not in a big conference at the time. So despite winning every year, we never got an automatic bid. And it wasn't until I was actually coaching in uh, 92 when the first year that our conference got an automatic bid, the MCC. So it was, um, yeah, it was interesting as a player, never got to go to the tournament, but I would say just in general, again, looking back, I think, it's absolutely something that I'm probably most proud of. It's the relationships that I've built are some of the best, and I'm still to this day, right, really mm-hmm. close to many of the women on the team. Um, and it just it, it built such a foundation of, you know, I talked about my team, my family being kind of the first team I was on and obviously playing through all the sports teams. But then this was just kind of that next team of, not just being a player on a team, but Muffet gave me that opportunity to coach, which helped change my whole perspective on being a part of a team. So still super grateful to her. And she's, she's still somebody I'm very close to and look to as a, a dear friend, but also an incredible mentor for me. Were we big East at that point? So we were, when I started as a freshman, we were in the North star conference. Oh, North star. North star. (laughs) <laughs> the North Star then changed to the Midwestern Collegiate Conference, 
which has since become the Horizon League, if you're familiar oh, with the yeah. Horizon League of today. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Big East, James. Wow. There's some history. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, if you really want to, if you've got some real women's basketball or some old sports fans on this podcast, you could start to ask them, what are the schools that were in the Horizon League <laughs> or the MCC? <laughs> That's right. It would blow your mind. Like Marquette. I mean, some of these, yeah, Marquette, <laughs> Loyola, Detroit. Yeah. Did, did Muffet have her signature uh, crouch when when you were a, a, a basketball <laughs> <She> player? Did. <laughs> she did. She didn't. She didn't bust out the leopard skins and the leather back in those days. It's a little more conservatively dressed. Mm-hmm. But we used to joke that she was like a cat because she could <laughs> jump and land like on all fours. Right? She could land on those pumps. Wow. And um, it was unbelievable. Yeah. She 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 was more nimble, right? I mean, my gosh, right. she was. She was in her young 30s when she coached us. Jeez. Yeah. Amazing career. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fun. It's been really fun to watch her and just the program grow. Super fun. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your path after graduation. How did you get into development work? Oh, gosh. Grace, mm-hmm. let's just call it a circuitous <laughs> path. path. <laughs> it was not a straight line. Sometimes... Again, you talk about the grace of God and, boy, somebody looking out for you. I always say I have a really good guardian angel. This was one of those where I look back and I think, to my point with James earlier about perspective, I look at all the roles that I have and I think how they now play such an important part of in my development to where I am today in this role that I, I mean, this is a dream job for me, but but when I look back, I think, oh my gosh, everything kind of all fits together now. In the time, it made no sense. So I'll, I'll try to be quick about this, but, um, you know, after I graduated with my MBA from Notre Dame, I went to PNC Bank and was in their corporate management training program. So I worked in Pittsburgh for a couple of years, and then uh, they asked me to go to their Ohio, their Cincinnati office. And I worked for their national corporate group, which was a, their conglomerate of five, Fortune 500 companies. And I was at the time what they called a relationship manager. So much like what we call our RDs, I was that point person for these Fortune 500 companies. I met with their CFOs. We talked about their banking relationship. It, it was so similar to what we do now, mm-hmm. right? Did that for a couple of years and had just gotten a promotion when a friend of mine, uh, Sandy Botham, who I had played with here at the university, she was a post player, called to say she had gotten the head coaching job at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She needed a guard coach. She needed somebody to help coach the offense. Like, would I come be her associate head coach? So my dad thought I was crazy. I'd just gotten promoted, and here I go. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Follow your heart. And I always knew, and someday I really wanted to wanted – to, I thought I was athletics administration is where I wanted to be. I thought somewhere to combine my love for business and sports. and Sure. And then back in those days, you could coach. James, you probably remember this. You could be a coach, and then they would elevate you to, like, the AD. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> right? The old football coach would become the AD or something. <laughs> anyway, it was a path to sports administration in those days. So I thought, well, shoot, I can do this. So I go, and I coach with her for six years. And we take a team that was worst in the conference, never won, get them on track to where we actually win. At that time, was the Horizon League. We win the Horizon League conference. We get the automatic bid to the tournament. Um, we're a 16 seed first time ever in school history. They go to the tournament. Anyways, bottom line is I get done with that. And I think I'm, I start to get head coaching offers, but that wasn't where my heart was. I just couldn't see myself at, at my age today. I couldn't see myself 
having sat in a gym every summer recruiting these kids and chasing them all over the country and such. And um, so I was a little bit of a crossroads. And it was then that I came back to Notre Dame. So this was 2002. And honestly, uh, I got a call from Jill Bodensteiner, who many of you know, good friend. And she was my freshman year roommate. She was working in general counsel at the time. And she said, hey, listen, uh, Pat Holmes has an opening in academic services for student athletes. And they're about to start the school year. He is really hard up. You could do this job. And he's not going to look for a long-term commitment, but he really needs somebody. And why don't you just come back and see how that does? You know, you'd have to give you a chance to meet with other people on campus. And I thought, wow, what a, there's no better opportunity to kind of renew your contacts and kind of think about where you want to be next. So I took the opportunity. I should point out that when I went from the bank to coaching, I took a 50% pay cut. Jeez. So that was part of the reason why my dad thought I was crazy. But <laughs> I followed my passion, followed my gut, did that. I go to Milwaukee. I finally get back up to where I was, you know, further from the bank. <laughs> I come back to Notre Dame and I take another 50% pay cut <laughs> to come back here. And my dad was like, okay, you know, you did get your MBA, right? Like you understand how this is supposed to work. <laughs> anyway, I was like, yeah, but I'm following my heart, dad. I'm following my gut. So I came back and I, I worked for Pat and the group for two years. And what a great experience to see the student athlete experience from the academic side of things. And I networked like crazy. I met with anyone and everyone, anyone that would meet with me at the time. And um, I, that's, I met with Lou Nani, met with Shannon Cullen and all these folks that were friends of mine back in the day mm-hmm. or I'd had some contact with. Anyways, uh, I met with Kevin White as well. And it was really Lou and Kevin that I owe all of it to because those two, I think, kind of put their heads together. And it was when they created, they kind of combined efforts to create the first ever role that sat in development for athletics. And this was in 2004. So hmm. it was like, at that point, it was a dream role, right? I mean, and again, I didn't, well, I should, I should take a step back. I had just told Kevin that I enjoyed the business side. I, I, I enjoyed a little bit of the fundraising I had done as a coach. I didn't know much more than that, but I can tell you it didn't take me long when I got into the role in 04 and I thought, my gosh, I now know what it means when people say you you never have to work another day in your life if you find your true Mm -hmm. passion. Like it was the first time where I was like, this is really where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing. And I thought I have just taken all my passions and turned them into my profession. And that's been pretty darn cool. So it was 04 and I haven't looked back. And that's how I got to Notre Dame development. And I don't know, I think I was counting for another group the other day. I think this will be my sixth office in development when I moved back to Eddie Street. Yes, uh-huh. sixth office. Wow. Sixth office. <laughs> yep, I've done Grace, I've done Joyce, and I've done Eddie. So. Oh, man. There's not too many more. <laughs> nope, nope. Let's just hope I can get this one. Now, when, when I first started, you were a, a regional director of fundraising for the West Coast, I believe. And then... Mm-hmm. You moved over to uh, athletics advancement, so you've been kind of in both realms there. What do you see is is the difference between the two, or what's unique about athletics advancement versus regional development? It's a great question. A great question, um, James. I would say, you know, the one thing in athletics advancement, I stress this to our fundraisers all the time, is that we're like a team within a team. Like mm-hmm. we have to, our success is going to de- be dependent so much on those regional partners and regional fundraisers. So while we also need to be primary fundraisers and raise funds for athletics, we also have to be really good partner, thoughtful partners with 
with the regional director. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I would say that's a little bit different. You know, I think as a region, you can partner with the others, but, but your success is less dependent as if we're going to have the number, you know, hit the numbers that we've been asked to hit. We're not doing that on our primary production alone. Um, I think when you think about athletics advancement, you know, um, we're a revenue driver for the entire university. Athletics is a revenue driver for the mm-hmm. entire university. So that also makes it a slightly different. If you're raising money for science, it's for science and you're impacting that department. I, I like to say when, when you're raising money for athletics, you're also raising money for the entire university because of the way that we're set up as a centralized model. Um, and much of that athletics funding is used to fund other areas at the university. So that's kind of cool. As an SRD, I would tell you the differences for me are, you know, I have kind of this dotted reporting line to Jack. So in addition to reporting to to development, I've got Jack. We're a multifunctional unit where I've got a fundraising team and AAD, now the monogram club, uh, a couple of development coordinators working with us. Um, And then ultimately at the end of the day, while, you know, Kim, and William and the Rockney Heritage Fund, sorry, Rockney Athletics Fund, work with Brian Diss and so and, and the and Jim's team. That's right. Um, and events is going to be over there, and stewardship's going to be over in Grace. At the end of the day, when Jack looks at how things are going, he's going to look at me and say, "Okay, that event was not what it needed to be. Hmm. We need to do better stewardship." So there's a little bit of a difference there too, in terms of just the accountability factor to a department where that is slightly different than when I was doing the work for regional. Do you remember? So I would say, oh, uh, go, ahead. Th- no, go ahead. Sarah, do you remember the number that uh, athletics is accountable for uh, to give back to the university through athletics? I can't remember what Jack well, used to quote. Yeah. It, and it's, they're working on a slightly different business model, but I would say this one, they pay for all their scholarships at the full rack rate, as he likes to say, which if you took the 70 some thousand that, uh, tuition room and board plus cost of attendance books into it you know tuition you put all that together and you times that by the 322.2 scholarships that he can give he's giving somewhere between 20 and 25 million back in scholarship mm-hmm. you know he owes them that for scholarships mm-hmm. and then on top of that james it's usually around an additional 20 million so he likes uh, to joke that at 40 to 50 million he was often the university's largest annual donor <laughs> that's right <laughs> I would, you know, one other thing I would throw out really, oh, go ahead, Grace. Oh, no, sorry. There was a delay. Go ahead and finish. (laughs) Good old Sorry, so I'm getting a little, little delay. I I was just going to say, one other thing that does come to mind, I would say is the expectation for stewardship from an athletic side is, is I found compared to the regional side is so much greater, right? Because our people are coming back. Every, I mean, they come back for every football game and they're expecting something for every football game, right? And then they're coming back for hockey and so forth. Whereas I didn't see that when I was working with some of the folks in the regional, if somebody made a gift to the engineering school, they may come back for a game or two, but they're not expecting to necessarily be engaged or stewarded around that gift mm-hmm. on every weekend like that. So sure. there is a little bit of a difference even from that perspective in terms of how we had to operate. That's right. Makes sense. Yeah, so a gift that you've helped facilitate that you're most proud of? Oh, that's um, that's a good question. And my mind immediately, I, there is one that it goes to. My mind also says, gosh, 
it would be really hard to single people out or single a gift out because of what's it been now, you know, 16 years of working with different donors and just the impacts, the impact it's had on the university, these gifts, the impacts on the student athletes, and then so much on the benefactors, the impact they ha- it, their, their giving has on them has been really cool to watch. So at the risk of doing this, I'm going to go ahead. I will single out, I would say the one that kind of jumps out to me is endowing Muffet's position. Mm, sure. And I think that's because it was a teammate and dear friend of mine and her husband that made the gift. And, uh, you know, just the conversation we had in their living room one evening watching TV. I think I was laying on the couch under a blanket and we were chatting and just kept saying, guys, you you got to do this if for Muffet alone. Like, she needs to be the first. I mean, what a statement at Notre Dame that's that's got such a football-rich tradition to have a woman and to – I mean, Brian Kelly's done just such a phenomenal job, and we've had such amazing football coaches through the years. But i got to tell you, when I was – you know, the last five years, all people wanted to talk about was Muffet. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's where most of the conversation went. So, you know, we talked a lot about that and – how meaningful this would be. So that that's the one that probably jumps to mind, Grace. Awesome. I'm wondering if someday, like like they call the Duke uh, basketball court, the what do they call it, Coach mm-hmm. K court or Krzyzewski court or something like that. Or I'm wondering if, if one day we'll have a McGraw court. You know, I think that'll be an awesome tribute to her. Well, I can I can tell you that in the practice facility we will for sure. Oh sure. Because that was part of the, their gift, the Keys gift uh, at that point was. We would do that. Now, we don't name anything for current employees. So, oh, okay. you know, now that she's recently retired, That's right. um, that could maybe happen sooner rather than later. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, as, as a former student athlete yourself, what do you hope that your work today contributes towards today's student athletes? What do, you, what do you want most for them? You know, I guess I would say I want them to feel like they had all the resources they needed to make this a truly transformational experience. Like I was saying to you earlier, when I think of what was some of the most, maybe the most life-shaping experience for me mm-hmm. historically was were those four to six years here. Um, and I would say the same for them. So if, if they can walk away here feeling like they had an opportunity to grow mind, body, and spirit, um, just that incredible sense of accomplishment of navigating both the athletic and the academic rigor of Notre Dame, I think that's that's what I hope for them. And I tell my team all the time, listen, when we're out there fundraising, we're not only shaping the student-athlete experience, but we're, we're truly transforming it with the work that we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope that the student-athlete realizes someday long after they've left here. So as James mentioned, you're transitioning into a new role. Uh, very exciting. Uh, can you tell us Thank a little you. bit of, <laughs> about your new new responsibilities and sort of what you're going to be doing in this new role? You know, I am learning. I'll be doing a lot of learning. Sure. Right? That's, where, that's where I am right now, right? So, boy, Stu has been a phenomenal partner, just so gracious in his time and trying to help me transition smoothly. Um, so I'm really fortunate to kind of learn from him. And, you know, ultimately the goal, I think, in this job, right, is to lead the fundraising team to build a high-performing in a sense, sales slash fundraising team. And, and truly, when I, when I think of the work Stu's done, I mean, i got to give him a lot of props because he's built a team that's super well positioned for the future, right? I mean, the, the SRDs that he's got in place now, so many of the fundraisers 
Oh my gosh. I just, I've spent a good part of today interviewing for the, the new SRD roles right. and I'm just blown away by the talent and I can't wait. I mean, it's probably something I'm going to look forward to the most in this job now, just getting to sit down with people and have these conversations one-on-one about their backgrounds and what they aspire to. We've got an incredible, incredible group of people. I mean, you two alone, like the work that you've done in terms of what you're putting together with this kind of stuff to build a culture of a true team. I mean, that, that is what I, um, I just hope to build on that, maybe take it to a, what, whatever that next level might sure. be. I think that's all we can ever think of as leaders. Is And I hope the same for whoever takes my role in athletics is I hope I've given them enough of a foundation that they can now take it to the next level too. So Well, luckily you're, you'll still be here so they can, you know, <laughs> give you a call, text <laughs> they, or whatever. They can stand on my, yeah, they, <laughs> I owe them some, some, some of that transition the way Steve's done it for me too, no doubt. <laughs> nice. What made you decide to, to take this new role on, this new responsibility? You know, James, part of it's like when Lou asks, mm-hmm. like you answer the call, right? Yes, and absolutely. when the university asks, like if, if the university truly believes I'm the right person, then I, 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 don't, I have no other way than to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will tell you, I was really excited by the opportunity to continue to your point of being able to still oversee athletics. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't walking away from something that's so such a passion for me. Sure. So to be able to kind of keep my hand in that and to bring along the next person, but then to grow and look to grow this whole new younger management team um, and try to help share some of the stuff I've learned from the Muffets over the years and other managers of how to, to, to lead a team. I mean, that sincerely excites me and to just be exposed to a, a greater swath at the university the other thing I told Lou was to, you know, I, I've, I've learned so much from working really closely with Jack and I am truly fired up to be, you know, we all crave the time with Lou, right? And we, he's, he's such an emotional and passionate um, leader, but to now get to do more of that on a regular basis, mm-hmm. I'm excited like I have, was with Jack to be able to have that exposure to Lou um, to learn more from him directly too. So, Obviously, we're in sort of odd times working remotely. Um, have you had to change your approach at all to managing your team or kind of managing projects uh, as we're all working remotely and kind of have all these different pressures on us? Um, of course, right? I mean, I, I didn't even know how to get onto Zoom seven weeks ago. <laughs> I honestly couldn't have set up a Zoom meeting, so I've come so far. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I tried to I tried to keep my routine as similar in terms of getting up early, try to get the exercise in before things get crazy for the day. Isla, James, how's your – I can't wait to hear about your Peloton. Oh, my um, goodness, So, yes. so um, trying to do all of that. And then, Grace, just try to be as over-communicative as possible, right? Let's stay in touch, see people's faces, be responsive, um, as much as possible, getting harder, trying to do a little bit of both two jobs, but I'm trying to be responsive. And then I'm just trying to communicate to everybody that, listen, I trust you and I understand that everyone's dealing with this differently and you're going to do your best and do your job however you need to do it to get it done. And it may not look like what we've done previously, but I have confidence that we can still, we can still get things done. What's kept you hopeful and positive during this time? Um. <clears throat> 
James, I'm going back to perspective. Yes. I should just call it AJ, but it's perspective, right? <laughs> I mean, I have my health, uh, getting time with Pam that we often don't get. Sure. Um, I've got a support group of family and friends and all of you guys uh, from a work perspective. Just those basic needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think why, why, this is not that hard. Somebody made the comment the other day that Anne Frank, you know, spent how many 700 some days in a six by six room and couldn't talk and had to be fed this and she survived. And here we are as a culture, as an American culture that we can't even spend seven weeks in our own homes and we're like itching to get out. So, <laughs> wow. you know, just trying to keep it in perspective and say like, it's okay. We're going to the great comparison. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, and I'm actually, honestly, I'm excited going into this role in these conditions. Cause it's like, it's a little bit of an extra challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's going to make it just that much more satisfying when we go out and we hit our goals and say, yeah, we did it. And we had to, we had to be creative and do it differently. That's that athletics perspective coming through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, challenge. you're probably right, Grace. You're <laughs> probably right. Um, so what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, walk the dog a lot. Mm -hmm. So get out town. We walk through town a ton. I live up in St. Joe, so we love to be out walking through the, through the town. I like to play a little golf, still play some tennis and pickleball when I can. Certainly love just having the time with Pam. You know, typically when I'm traveling, that's not quite as often as, as or as much time as I've been getting, which is great. Spend time with my family. Got, um, I think I told you, right, the siblings, and I've got 18 nieces and nephews, and, oh, gosh, oh, probably <laughs> more than a dozen grandnieces and nephews, that next generation. Aww. So that keeps me busy, and I am a, um, I'm a closet. Like, I love crossword puzzles. I go to the beach mm -hmm. with a USA Today crossword puzzle. Or a CIA spy, kind of spy novel. Those are my, that's when I really want to get away. That's what I like to do. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Have you tried to pick up any new hobbies since we've been quarantined? <laughs> you know, I would say, James, one is, and it was, it came from when we had to do those videos. Um, <laughs> when Isla came about, my hobby now is I'm trying to work through my t-shirt drawer. Right, I never get to wear uh, all my t-shirts. Yes. I collect all these great t-shirts over the year, but That's right. when we work, I don't get to wear the t-shirts. Nope, so sure don't. I am trying to work through the t-shirt drawer very systematically. That's been fun, and then I am finding I'm cleaning right things that haven't been cleaned in twenty and thirty years, and I'm finding all these fun little artifacts. So, for instance, James, you'll appreciate this with Jill Bonesigner. I found our two thousand and five Mishawaka League little trophy, you know, women's basketball yes. trophy. So I'm finding all these artifacts and I'm taking pictures. And then like when I do zoom calls, they become my background with these people. Oh, fun. Um, oh, it's fun. super fun. So I'm using those as ways to reach out to old friends, which has been really cool. Great. Uh, well, Sarah, we're actually just at the end of our time together, but before we let you go, we want to throw a quick take five your way. So five rapid fire questions. Yes. Yes. I would okay. expect Are... nothing less. All right. Bring it. <laughs> right. <I'm ready. laughs> okay. Favorite professional athlete? Coco Goff, tennis player. Best piece of advice you've ever received? To thyself be true. Go to method to de stress. Oh, definitely exercise and, and listen to music. Coolest Notre Dame event you've been to? Okay, that's seriously a hard one. Guys. I know. I mean, like I've played Augusta, in Ireland, twenty twenty. I was even thinking Father Ted's funeral. And mm. remember all that celebration? Mm. That was mm -hmm. awesome. But um, given that I just watched it again this morning as I was doing work, and I've watched it all last night, it was the two thousand and eighteen women's basketball final oh, four. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. 
that was just that I can watch that on repeat weekend. myself. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually nervous, James. I found myself I'm like I'm nervous down the stretch. <laughs> Favorite spot on campus. Favorite spot on campus. I would go with. I got to go with center court at the Joy Center. There's just too many oh, memories. Oh, very nice. That's right. Well, Sarah, we know you have to go. You have an appointment coming up here pretty quickly. It's, <laughs> it's been so awesome to have you on the show today. We enjoyed our conversation, and we hope you did too. Oh, gosh, you guys, I'm so humbled that you had asked. Uh, this is so fun. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for thinking of me. Absolutely. Thank you. You guys do a great job. Keep it up. Thanks, Sarah. All right, everybody, have a great day. You too. See ya. Bye Thanks. now. Bye-bye. James, you know, I used to play a little b-ball back in the day. Is that right? Yep, and I had a particularly sweet move I would bust out. No, you got to tell me about this sweet move. Yeah, it, it was called the double clutch closing jingle. Oh, my goodness. How do you manage to work it in every single show? <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the Grace of Giving podcast, folks. I'm your host, James Riley. And I'm Grace Brosnewski. And this has been the Grace of Giving podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and remember... Stay, Stay golden. golden. <laughs>